And we're back on the B block of the Media Virus podcast. In the podcast production system, there are two separate but equally important groups. The guests who think they have something to say and the hosts who completely exploit them. These are their stories. All right, we're back uh, with Iggy Perillo. Iggy, thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so nice when someone is willing to completely risk their reputation with absolutely no upside to come hang out with a bunch of derelicts. So, um, you know, as I've said before, you know, this show can be like taking a long walk down a dark path with a bunch of strangers. Um, or so, off a short pier. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Thank you very much. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what you've got going on like right now and, and kind of a little bit about what it is that you, you do. Sure, sure. I help leaders and teams just not suck primarily, I guess, is how I would describe my work in broad terms. And a lot of that looks like helping folks manage conflict conflict better. Uh, I have this little um, guide to helping people emotionally, emotionally intelligently manage conflict. It's called Dealing with Bozos and Bullies. Beautifully, no one ever, except for you all occasionally, would admit to being a bozo or a bully. And so most people are like, oh, everything's I would, fine. I would, I, would, I would actually say I'm kind of both. Well, there you go. I mean, it really depends. It really depends on where the other person is on the social ladder. Exactly. You are like, all to very my, advanced here in a very cool way. <laughs> I, I kind of appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. I, I've done a lot of introspection. I understand my flaws. You know, yeah, and, you know yourself. Perfect. Yeah, I do. Uh, and I try, I work on it. That's, that's half, that's the other half of doing it is working on it. But please, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's perfect. Uh, but, unlike yeah, you, doing, exactly. As I was saying, unlike you all, most people... Uh, would say, oh, there's conflict on my team. There's conflict in my organization. There's conflict, blah, 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 blah. And very few people are like, wonder if they are somehow the cause of that. And yes and no, people are cause conflicts. Leadership, the culture of an organization is defined by the mood of the leader. So if the leader is like aggressive and like, everything my way or the highway, you're actually going to have a very toxic culture percolate throughout your organization. So I help people who are on those teams and also leaders who are, in the sort of more self-aware category who realize like, oh, I could be doing this better or things don't have to be this terrible. I help all those folks do the hardest part of doing really great work. And that looks like one-on-one meetings, workshops, different things. Right now, actually at this exact moment, to be honest, I'm launching a workshop called Don't Let Your Work Eat You Alive, Survival Skills for Personal Sustainability. And that's for helping people manage those tough work environments. Mm -hmm. So I work with other partners. I'm working with a partner for that. I do just a lot of different work with organizations, teams, athletes, Humans. So, how there. do how would an organization uh, get in touch with your organization? To, now, do you have other like folks that will that, like other coaches that you recommend in different areas? Like, because we're on different sides of the country. If you sure, know. but that's the nice thing about a podcast. Not only does it sit forever, but it's a you know worldwide, global. Like, yeah. like yeah. Do you have but you know, do you have like a network that you recommend or? It depends. So much of the work is easy to do over Zoom and I can travel, you know, that those things right. are more and more happening out here. A lot of one-on-one work happens just literally via Zoom. Oh, you found my little link tree there. Here's the things I'm working on. There's my uh, my workshop, some guest appearancing on the podcast world. Get that checklist. Help I help people out. I, help, I work with educators too to bring some emotional intelligence to their work. But uh, I, there are people that are more specialized in different things and I love referring people out. Like I have a, a friend that works with uh, family businesses and the dynamics of man- managing family plus a corporate environment is is unique, right? And so yes. yeah, I would love to send people to someone 
that really specializes in family businesses. I, yeah, I love working with new business owners. So folks that are like, that have expanded and grown their small business and are suddenly taking on employees and are like, whoa, I'm in charge of people now. What? Ugh. I love those people <laughs> in those sort of leadership growth environments are sort of some of my favorite type of clients to work with. So other folks, you really just have to resonate with your clients. And if it's personality or what they need, I'm happy to send people on to someone I think is a better fit. Because it's no fun to work with people that are not the right fit to work mm-hmm. with. You know, you were you mentioned something and it it, it brought up another memory. I was <clears throat> um for the longest time I was a high school dropout. I worked uh I worked as a carpenter. Um I built kitchens and stuff. Um and a lot of very hard work. And um my 30th birthday my back blew out. I got out of bed, I stood up, I fell right down, could not move and realized that I could not count on my body to get me through life. So I went and got an associate's degree on online. Hey, it's better than a good enough diploma. And uh, it's better than, you know, just no high school, better than being a high school dropout. It's better than being GED. I got a little bit, you know, another, another rung. So that got me, I got a job as it was called, I was called the marketing coordinator, marketing coordinator for a place called CBR Woodworking. CBR is the cabinets by Robert. Robert was an asshole. Mm. He was one of those dudes he was one of those dudes that were his way or the highway. He didn't like anything anybody else did, but I had to make presentations for him all the time to see if he liked them. He didn't like fucking anything. Pardon my French, but you can understand, you know, how angry I, I would get. Now, I worked for my, he was the big boss. The dude I shared an office with and my boss was the marketing vice president. Marketing. And we had three meetings a week in the morning. And I called those meetings the bus stop because that's where I was getting thrown under the bus. Oh, right. Right. I was always, but I couldn't trust him at, on, on a professional. I couldn't trust the, the VP on a professional level, but I could trust him on a personal level because me and him used to do the weirdest shit to this guy. We, he, he bought a fish from the market and we stuck it in his car. In the summertime, we hid it under the seats because he never cleans out his car. This dude smelled like fish for three months and it kept getting worse. And it was just like, we, like nobody wanted to do it. Like I was timid and everybody, like everybody worked in this fearful environment, but you get vengeful. Like you don't, like you look for ways to, you know, kind of lash out at this guy. That's what we did. And I realized that that was immature and something I shouldn't have done at the age of 33. Uh, I did. You know what I mean? And what would an emotionally intelligent person, because I wasn't at the time, but I still don't, I don't think I would have stayed in that environment because I feel like in that particular case, I had a lot of things stacked up. Like I was really stacked up against and it just seemed like I kept losing footing. Like there was no, in that, you know, I'm just saying in that particular case. I think if you were more intelligent, you would have come up with the fish thing on your own. Just saying. That's true. Maybe. I don't I think, think I would I don't think I would have trusted my bought my you know the VP enough to uh to join me. I would have probably just done that. That would have been a solo mission. Right, right. You well, I think you you bring up some really great questions. Not everyone can just quit up and leave their job. Like that is universally true. They were like, "Oh, just get a new job. It's terrible. Get a new job." Like the reality is there's so many reasons people can't they leave fired the job me the, they're in. They fired me the week before Christmas. Oh. For no Classy. reason. Just, sure. just because they were restructuring. 
Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned like the, I think that key term is trust, right? If you don't feel like you can trust people, it gets really, like that makes it a hard work environment in a different way. Like if you know, yeah. if you don't quite know what to expect mm-hmm. or you don't quite know who's got your back or you think people don't have your back, that's right. super draining. And if you can't leave that environment, that's really, I, I would say soul crushing fundamentally and you have to, to persevere and work through that. Oh, they went out of business like two years later. Like it wasn't, like they weren't, they were not a good company. It was not well run. You, we had to run on Friday. Last one to the bank, didn't get paid. Oh, because there wasn't enough money in the account. Wasn't enough money. Yeah. hmm. You got paid Monday. Wow. But yeah, last one. And oh, that was a, yeah, it was, uh, anyway. It sounds like they had a lot of problems. Yeah. Well, and they were caused by like one dude doing it his way. He had people like pressing the alarm and he had people screaming in his face and he was just like, you know, wasn't, he didn't trust anyone around him. And yeah. I think, that, sounds like it was, I think that came because an employee had an affair with his wife and, uh, and they, they, they took off together. Like one of his employees is now married to his wife and, and Robert, if you're out there, ha ha, but uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> And what it was funny is the guy who, he was the guy who told me, because when I first started working in a different cabinet shop, I was working with this dude, Keith. Keith kept telling me how awesome CBR woodworking was to work, was to, was to work at. So I kept hearing how awesome this, so then I started hearing how awesome this place was to work at. So I finally interviewed at the place and was going to mention Keith and somebody, my, my nephew worked there and he pulled me aside. I like, don't, don't mention Keith. I'm like, what happened? He's like, he stole Bob's wife. <laughs> and I, this is like right before, like I'm walking in. He's like, yo, 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 don't mention Keith. And I was like, because it had just happened. So um, anyway, so what? <laughs> Sorry. So how do we fix this? Is that the uh, question? No, but, like, but, my, but my, you know, my question is, what is an, what, what are some strategies to deal with a work environment that is similar to that one? Like what are, what are, some, what are some things that you can do to maybe improve your work culture or just improve your sanity. Right? Those are those are two things you can both work on. And this umbrella of emotional intelligence is four sort of distinct pieces of it. And any of them folks can engage with in a different way. One is self-awareness. And so learning about yourself, how you react, how you respond to things. And once you're more self-aware, then you can position yourself better theoretically. You know, if you knew I have to run to the bank every Friday, cool, I need to clock out at 445 so I can get a head start. You know, like whatever you know about yourself. Mm-hmm. Is going to be useful. And also, this is like knowing what things get under your skin and make you really, you know, angry or knock you off balance or what things are really calming and soothing to you. Any of these different pieces of self-awareness, you cultivate the stuff that's good, kind of try to find a way to minimize the stuff that, you know, is not serve you well. Great. Awesome. The next thing is self-management. So that is, how am I going to respond in this environment? If I know I'm going to get in a screaming match every time someone talks to me and I don't want to get in a screaming match, how do I manage myself to not get into that screaming match? Or conversely, how do I how do I cultivate endurance in myself to to sit here and be a part of this environment hour after hour, day after day in the small office with this person? How am I going to build my personal resilience, my personal sustainability, and manage myself through that? Next, we have relational awareness, which is cognitive empathy, and this is not feeling with other people empathy, but understanding how other people feel, and that. I think opens a door to understanding and humanity at some time. So if you are thinking about any of these characters you just described, there's like the boss, the VP, Keith, your cousin, 
all of them have an emotional reaction to this place and understanding that helps you build connections with them. And once you have connections with people, we feel we're social creatures. We feel more satisfied when we have strong, trusting social connections. That's because I I don't necessarily like the job that I have now, but I enjoy, I I mean, my boss is, my boss is cool. He he is cool. um, But he sometimes listens, but um, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, the, the people that I work with that I, I enjoy working with them. You know, Absolutely. I, 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 I like them. Um, and that makes the job a little easier. Um, that, you know, definitely you can put up with a lot if the, if the people around you are a support system. Yep. Absolutely. And that so brings gotta, us to the last one is relationship management. How well do you get along with those people? How well do you manage conflict? How well do you manage those relationships you have in that environment? There are skills you can learn in any of these areas that will make that environment feel happier for you, feel healthier, feel more sustainable for you. Yeah. Is there a way to control uh, to control your emotional intelligence in traffic? Ooh, there's <laughs> training, there's habits, there's practice, just like anything. Control is, I think, an illusion for most of the world. So, Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. I'm so, I appreciate you so much for saying that. <laughs> That's, not control license. Isn't, That's not license. Control is right. an illusion. Control is um, an illusion, but responsibility is inevitable. That's uh, wow! That's so beautiful. That's thank you. Um, it just—I I had this thing happen to me on Monday, where I, I live on a like a circle. Like it's my neighborhood is a big one, big circle, and it's a two-way street. And you know, there's parking on both sides. And when there's parking, you know, and there's little places. So people have this habit in my neighborhood of just stopping in the middle of the street where they could have gone. They could have gotten over three feet up or three feet back. And just, but they, they're stopping in the middle and they have conversations with people on the street or another car, right? Or something like that. And it was the morning and I'm an idiot in the morning. I have no control over myself in the morning. And I was the passenger and we, you know, we're going to work. I ride with my wife and I got into an FU match with these people. And I, I never do this. Like I was like, I, if I had full fact, if I had full control of my faculties, I would have, I would have thought better of this, but I got out of the car and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Cause it, it was like minutes. Like it, it was longer than it should have been. And the, the one guy was like pointing me to go between the cars and there was not enough space for my Buick Enclave to fit between those two cars. Like maybe if I was driving a geo Metro, but not, you know, not this automobile. And I, and I get out of the car. I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, he's trying to tell you there's glass over there. And I'm like, there's glass over there. You're there. You're there. And, I just, and then it just turned into a FU match. And then my wife finally turned around and just went the other way around the circle, which we could have just done in the first place. But again. Did you have to walk across the park and meet her? <laughs> What's that? Did you have to walk across the park and meet her? No, no. I, she waited for you to get in? <laughs> she, she, yeah. It was actually my idea because I got in the car and I was like, just turn around. And then I kept screaming, you know, uh, F you at the, uh, you know, at, at the, at the people, you know what I mean? So that was, uh, that was a lapse, a lapse in judgment. On well, my- but some self-awareness, you know, the mornings are hard for you. And now the next step is then to look at how can you set yourself up to be optimize your mornings or your interactions in the morning. That's the self-management piece, I guess. Yeah, I, that 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 is the, the I think what I, you know, one of the 
I've worked on a lot. And I, I mean, I've destroyed it in marriage because of my temper and my not, I never struck anybody. You know what I mean? I never, I wasn't, but I, I was emotionally abusive. I was, you know, verbally. And because that's what, I'm not going to get into excuses. I was, I was that. And, and I realized that that's not, that's not a way to, that's not a way to act. Like, and you can't, I, I learned things, you know, and uh, you go, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for learning. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I've been on this, but, uh, you know, being, I think some of the things that, that, it, that attracted me to, to, you know, invite you to come on was, you know, you're, the questions you're always ready to answer. Um, and, you know, how can I lead? How can I be a leader if I'm, if I'm not the boss? Like, was because I feel like I'm I'm in a position at my job where I could take on leadership, but you know I'm not the boss, and I again I'm right in this. So so what are some what are some strategies or or, or tips, for lack of a more eloquent word, that you could uh, bestow upon? <laughs> I will bestow them. Thank you. Uh, the I think there are a lot of people that underestimate the power they have just in those work relationships. So by being aware of yourself and also building those work, and like a lot of us will just say, oh, I have friends at work. Oh, they're my friend. They're my friend. Like, yeah, those are, they feel friendly, but they also, saying someone's your friend, they you're articulating some level of trust, some level of connection, some level of commitment to each other, even by just describing someone as a friend. And not that you're like, cool, now use those all those, you know, connections for your own devious purposes, but more, there's power in those connections. And if you want to make a change in the environment, it helps to do it with friends, especially if you're not the boss, you know, in a title or in a, you know, like a, a manager role officially or, you know, and I'm, a lot I'm, of times we'll see those I'm people. basically those customer are, service. Yeah. Like uh-huh, I'm the okay. customer service person and it, it's a, it's a shipping company. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. deal with a lot of customers who warehouse and ship out their things in our warehouse. Right. And uh, so I think one of the, one of the advantages is, is that I'm not manager. So when there's an issue that I think I can address with employees, I can go up to them and go, "Hey, man, I've been getting a lot of complaints about this. Like, can you look in? Can you look into what's going on?" And I usually do that to the person that I think is the problem. You know what I mean? But if I go, hey, "Can you look at what's going on?" They start to pay attention to. Yeah. You, well, at oh. that point, you've empowered that person. Right. So instead of going down big. and go, "What the fuck are you doing?" Right. I go down and go, "Hey, man, this is going on. I'm getting." Got like three complaints, the same thing. Can you look into this for me? And they go, yeah, okay. So I, I think I've kind of learned like that, like using my using my relationships with people and my status as not the boss. Yes. You know, I I, I think I'm doing well at that. Uh, so that's you know, if you have anything else uh, that I mean besides uh, that was a dumb fucking. <laughs> I I completely my just all the words went out of my head. Pete, that's all right. I think I, what you're asking for is like cool. What else? Is what yeah, I hear you saying? Kind of without without being rude. Yes, <laughs> that's all right. I think um, if you're if you're not the boss and you see so there's all this like kind of weird conflicting advice people get in work environments where something's something's going wrong. Right. Well, should I fix the problem? Should I bring it to someone else's attention that there's a problem? Should I? talk to some people and like kind of point out that they are the problem, which it sounds like you're doing very diplomatically. So they look into it and kind of address it. 
and it, it depends, right, on the situation, on the, the what's going on around there. But I think the, uh, the overall big picture is treating people like humans, which sounds really boring and not very, like, glamorous. But the reality is so many people feel dehumanized in their work. And, like, they're just, well, I need to be productive because that'll make me a better cog. So I'm less of a human if I'm more productive. And, like, there are uh, some complicated um, byproducts of capitalism that make it hard to feel human in, a work in, in many work environments. And so the more you can do to treat people like humans and to... Accept that they are humans, that you are human too, I think just goes a long way. And that is super vague, but human, right? Yeah. Quote my father. Uh, my father would say, uh, you're here to work, not to feel. Get back to work. Is <laughs> what my father would say if I told him, hey, you're making me feel dehumanized. He'd go, well, get back to work and feel later. Right? My father would give me projects to do and go like, I'm not paying you to think. Don't think. And I'm like, hey, Pop, I think that lives wire. I think that, you know, wire's life. I'm not paying you to think. And then watch my dad get shocked across the room. And then, <laughs> yell at you for not turning the breaker off. Right. And yell, yeah, right. You should have, why didn't you tell me the wire was? I did. You didn't listen. Um, so, yes, but making people more, um, treating, treating people like humans, I think, is something um, that I've been working on. And not that I had a tendency of, de- yeah, maybe I did. I, I, you know, looking deep, I don't want to get into a big, I don't want to start crying, but, um, the, uh, you know, um, treating people like humans, like making, making someone feel seen, heard, um, you know, is something that, uh, you know, I'm really starting to take value on and the, the, you know, little things can make a, you know, a big difference, you know, bringing in bagels or something on Friday can, can turn, you know, if you can make somebody look forward to a day, even if it's, you know, the, the one thing about CBR woodworking, it's funny. I say bagels. One thing every Friday bagels and they got bagels from a specific place. And it was a big company. So there's a lot of bagels, but they had these everything bagels that had these big thing of rock salt on. And luckily my office was right next to the break room. But if you didn't get to that, break room, those everything bagels would be gone. And then what? Then you're stuck with like a raisin bagel. You know what I mean? And they were okay. Is that even a bagel? Yeah, I don't know. No, it's a cake. Questionable, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, if you're, if you're going to abuse people, I, bagels. I like raisin bagels. I think that's the, if the one thing Iggy wants us to take away from this, is if you're going to treat people shitty. Bring them bagels. Yeah, Sorry. that's the number one message. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, but, a good schmear helps too. To like, <laughs> Actually, wrap up like slightly relatedly. You can listen to people, you can make them feel seen, and you can make them feel heard, and you still don't have to agree with them. Like you can do both and yep. hold right. you that can, in your space. You, you can you can hear someone's opinion, understand it, and still not like you know. And most likely, they only want you to feel like you understand it. They don't actually even care if you agree or disagree. They just mm-hmm. want to feel understood, and that is really right. the heart of making people feel like humans, like that they feel understood. Yep. Right. So th- that goes into like, how can I be a better leader? Because I am, you know, the, I guess the leader of, of this, this crew here. And uh, so my, I guess my main focus right now is how do I get Pete to do what I fucking ask him to do? Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I've asked him to do like 30 fucking things. He's delivered none of them. He shows up, has no idea who the guest is. It's how do I, how do I engage Pete so I don't have to smack him? Raisin bagels, I've heard. Number one. <laughs> okay, okay. Number one is raisin bagels. 
Uh, I think mm-hmm. <laughs> other than that, I don't know. Uh, I think there is a like the complicated long answer is understanding what needs Pete need, is meeting with his behavior. And there are models to look at people's behavior meeting their needs. Mm-hmm. And so if there's something you want to have done, so a task that you want Pete or anyone to do, and they're not doing the thing, they're making a choice with their behavior to do something to meet their needs. And so your research part of your brain needs to be like, cool, what need are they trying to meet with that behavior? And is what I'm asking to them to do conflicting with their values? Uh, you know, maybe. Who knows? Or is it counteracting how they think they need to get their needs met. So if, you know, you need Pete to go get the bagels, and he's like, no, I'm, that is not what I need to be doing right now. I'm really busy eating all these other bagels over here, which is maybe a bad convoluted example. How do we meet Pete's need for consuming bagels, but also getting bagels at times too? That's like what, what would balance that out? So it's a question Pete, in conversation with Pete, I guess. Pete, go get some bagels. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. I, I heard that that's Pete's mainly what you next, next, next company meeting. I heard they're all going to be raisin bagels, so that's not going to go no, well. That would make me very angry. You better get <laughs> yeah. some good everything bagels and some locks for crazy. Slap on the giant rock salt. Just go find that. Pour it yeah, in yeah, just go, go, to home, go to Home Depot. Locks. I love to, Oh, my God. I love locks and bagel. Uh, Nova locks? Oh, that's a breakfast, man. I was holding on to that. I've been waiting to say that. Joke all day. I had that joke. <laughs> I don't get Pete do what I wanted to do. There's your answer. There are ways. It's like look at the reasons, the behavior, the needs are being met or not met. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, so, what, all right, that's a good question. What do people need to know to do their best? Like, what is, that's a, that's a ter- like terrific, I, 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 what do I need to know? Do my best. I would say you need to be super clear on your actual values that you live by, not your aspirational values. If you ask my casual survey of many, many people, if you say, hey, what are your personal values? I'll say honesty, integrity, and something based on a childhood minor trauma incident that they had. But in reality, your values are this fossilized version of your habits. So your values are guiding your habits every day. If you dig into why you do the things you do, how you do them, you will uncover that record that is your personal value. So understand your personal values super duper clearly will help you do your best because then you can act consciously in alignment with them and not be in this state of uh, cognitive dissonance is called when we are acting yes. out of alignment with the when things you, when we think we should be doing. When your values don't match your actions. Yes. Absolutely. And that is like more draining on us than I think we always oh, it's, consciously aware are aware of. Oh yeah. No, it's, and it's funny when you like go back, when you become kind of self-aware and then you go back and you start remembering these things, these stories that you told as funny, and you realize how much of an asshole you are. And then, or you start telling a story that's funny to you. And then somebody goes, like, I wrote, we, we challenged each other one time to write stand up routines. And my stand up routine was just a cry for help and why I was a misogynist. That's, that's literally it. It was just why, why do I feel this way about, about, you know, women in general? And, um, this is, uh, I, I was, you know, mistreated maybe as a little bit. But by today's standards, you'd call it abuse, right? But I was raised in, it's, you know, I was born in 76, you know, 76 to 96. There's, the, the rules were different for raising kids. I was, I was a feral child for most of my life. I, you know, ran around, did whatever I wanted. And then when I got caught, I got smacked around. <laughs> 
<laughs> and therapy was not a thing. No, no, no one therapy, would ever no. say that. Therapy, I remember going, no, because my, my teachers recommended I go to therapy. Mm. They wanted me to get, they wanted, because they wanted me to get on meds because I wasn't behaving the way they wanted mm. me. They wanted some compliance, check. Wanted yeah. compliance. And I am, a, I am a habitual non-complier. I will not comply just because you want me to. Yeah. That's called oppositional defiant. Yeah. I am not? a defiant. Oh, I am a defiant son of a bitch. I will walk into it. I will, during the pandemic, you want me to wear a mask, you better have one for me. That's, I ain't buying one. There ain't no way. I just, just I had to, no, no. And I, that's just, and I'm like, I'll go to do the dishes. And my wife's like, hey, can you do the dishes? I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, you know, that's just. That's, that's why it's so great when I have a problem with the show. I just call Matt and say, Matt, I, I'm having a real tough time with this. I don't need your help at all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Give it to right. me. I'll fucking take care of it. I don't care what you fucking. Um, uh, reverse psychology. Ooh. Yeah. So I, I did cut you off, but I was I was kind of saying you know as you when you kind of look at the t- when you understand what cognitive dissonance is, and then you start to identify the flaws in your behavior, and then you start to understand how your behavior affected other people, and then you you contemplate suicide because you've been a terrible person and then you go well no i can still be terrible it'll be okay i don't want to you know (laughs) accept your terribleness that's my other message accept yeah yeah, no just accept it and embrace it embrace you have to you have to you kind of have to before you can start working on it before you can start improving it you really have to accept it and accept it deep down and then go all right this is something i i want to work on um you know, in the, in the last, in, in the, in the last stretch of my life, I want to try and, I want to try and make amends for the, you know, the, the 40 years of, of, of terribleness. Now I want to, but, um, you know, know, know what your values. And then the next thing I, I, I cut you off. I apologize. Oh, that's great. I think that I, I appreciate that tangent because it's the reality, right? We have to be aware of things at all and then acknowledge them and like take accountability for the, our behavior. Like, mm-hmm. that is really the pathway to making any meaningful change. And there's, you know, some people say, like, oh, you need mindset, you need confidence, you need all these different little pieces. And really, it's awareness and accountability and, I'd say, support of other people uh, in some way. Because human, we are, it's hard for us to change or grow or evolve in substantial ways in a vacuum. We're like, oh, yeah, I'll just go, you know, close myself off from the world for two weeks and come back a new person. Like, mm, good luck. And as soon as you interact with people, as soon as you go back to that same environment, you're back in those same habits of behavior. You're back in those same habits of how we act and interact. And so, yeah, finding the right supportive voices and people and humans in your life, which can mean, it can look like a lot of things, right? A supportive voice might be like the hard boundary of like, this is an absolute no. Like that can be supportive, right? If you have a, a someone there to be like, this isn't going to fly here, whatever it is. And there are supportive voices that are elevating and uplifting and, you know, offering suggestions, ideas, coaching, you know, all those different kind of hosts of um, other helping, supporting kind of roles. But if you're not clear on your values and you're not clear on sort of at least some hazy direction you want to move in, and I think setting yourself up to see progress over time, you will struggle. But I think we totally can change our defaults. We can absolutely change our habits, even if they've been, you know, built into our lives for the past 46 years, whatever it is. Those are they're still only habits. They're still only habits of behavior and it's possible to new, build new neural pathways. New, our brains are not actually 
shriveling and dying after we take you know become age 25 like brain development ends at 25 like cool then it just shrinks that's not actually true we can still grow and learn neuroscientifically and as people i think values are a great place to start and then acting more and more in alignment with your values every day is just a lot easier than trying to tell yourself don't do this don't do that no no to this no to that like telling yourselves no a lot is uh feels limiting and feels constricting i think mm-hmm. to a lot many people but how do I act in, how do I support this value in my life? How do I see this in this relationship? How do I see this in this, you know, work situation? How do I see my values present around me? And uh, like living, not just like, well, I'll make a little post-it and stick it out there. And, you know, that's my values. There you go. But how am I acting and living through these? Right. And I, I hope this is, you know, something that you agree with. Um, but, you know, just because, uh, you you know you've had that cognitive dissonance where your your behavior and your values conflicted or you your your behavior completely broke away from your values uh, you know you got went off into the weeds so to speak that doesn't mean that you can't just regroup and plow forward um, you know that's that's not the only aspect of, of working on, you know, plowing forward and just, just taking from that, you know, uh, the past is history. The future is a mystery. All we have is the, 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 the right now is a present, you know, that's the, I, I fucked it up, but that's the, the that, present. We, is like, a we can only deal with what's right in front of us. And if you, you know, if you know, if you know your values and you know, you know, where you want to go, then handling what's right in front of you should be kind of not easy, by any stretch of the imagination, but the path is clear. Yeah, it's within your power, within your locus of control to do something in the present. Absolutely. See, that word is in your question. I didn't ask it because I, I didn't want to sound stupid, but can, can you just locus of control? Would yeah. You define what that, what that is. Absolutely. That's the idea. There's sort of two versions. There's internal locus of control and external locus of control. So external locus of control is the things that happen to me that are out there in the world. An internal locus of control is the things I can affect or change or do in myself. And we are skewed. We see the same thing in a different way, right? Like, so I might see, uh, uh, if I'm in a, an argument with someone else, I might, I might blame them, right? And be like, oh, it's their fault. Oh, they can't believe they didn't do that thing. I can't believe that they let me down again. I can't believe that they're untrustworthy, blah, 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 blah. So we, but we give them the power to start the argument or to, um, to be like, oh, they're causing this. They're making this happen to me. Versus my internal locus of control reframing might be like, oh, how did I contribute to this? What's my part? And it sounds like some of the work you've actually done, like that cognitive dissonance comes from the yeah. switch from external to internal locus of control. Things that happened to me. How could, like, I, have, how could I have avoided that? Well, yeah. And how could, what, what, could yeah. I, what steps could I have taken to prevent that from happening? Yeah, or you know, what or, steps do I take now to like move forward productively? Both right. are w- what's within your power of control. And right. things will literally happen to you. You can't, control everything in your environment. You can't control other people say what they do or, you know, right. how people act or interact with you. But internal locus of control builds your sense of self-efficacy, which is your sense of power to do things as a human and as a person and to have an effect on the people around you and the situations around you. And that's internal locus of control. My mother used to say, uh, you can't control what people say or do to you, but you can control how you react. And that never made sense to me. You know what I mean? Like, how do you control how you react to things? And that's one of the, you know, it was just kind of, 
you know, that, that I guess I developed it over time. You know, what helped me was having a, a child on the spectrum and having a child on the spectrum. I mean, he's 20 now, um, but having a child on the spectrum, you know, taught me, it was very hard lessons to learn that my behavior was not, you know, good for him. He doesn't understand sarcasm, which was my only form of communication for the longest time. I could not, I could not, there was no way for me to convey my feelings without making a joke or, or saying something cutting. And, you know, having my, my son's therapist say to me, you know, that's not, he doesn't like, he doesn't get the sarcasm. He doesn't, he doesn't under where with my oldest son understood, like you could have a conversation with him when he was two. So, you know, and him and I just bonded where having, you know, my, my second son, Ryan, he's, um, you know, on the spectrum and him and I have a lovely relationship. Now I get him every weekend, but I had to leave that environment for him to start to progress because I was the, the, the toxic. I mean, I was part of the chemical reaction. Can we say it that way? I, mm-hmm. the, you know, you put two volatile chemicals together and they explode. You can't blame the ones individually, but you can remove one and, and not have it continuously explode, so to speak. Um, so it, hard lessons, hard lessons learned. Um, and I, you know, not everybody, I think I share this in an attempt to be kind of funny and you know, understood, but also to, you know, share what I've had to go through so that maybe people don't feel so shitty going through it. Cause I know how shitty I felt going through it. And, you know, that's why I guess I, I keep kind of relaying this back to me and I, you know, and kind of just to keep the, you know, so we looks like a conversation too. I, if I just go, all right, answer question three. Oh, speaking of, because uh, I know you're short on, I know you're, what? Do you, oh, you don't have the, um, all right. We're going to play a game. I'll, I'll pull it up. I've got it. If you've got it for the uh, question roulette, guest yeah. roulette. Yeah, just need a moment. You have that? Yep. And that's from one through 40, right? Uh, I'll tell you in just a moment as soon as it hits the screen. Loading, loading. I appreciate you sharing. Maddie, like, thanks for. I appreciate. I appreciate you listening. I really do. Like, because yeah, these stories to matter somebody, to share and tell. I, I think so. You know what I mean? And you know, maybe if you came to my company and were speaking, I wouldn't share this in front of just my, you know, but into a microphone to the friggin' world. Yeah, I mean, that's totally sure, different. Why not? Totally that's different. Whole, Global audience, yes. Friends, you know, people sure. I know, no. Yeah. Because in my right, because in my mind, I'm in my closet. I'm I'm literally in a closet. You know what I mean? And it doesn't, uh, it, 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 I'm talking to you, I'm talking to my three friends, and I sometimes have to remember I'm also, you know, live streaming this to the world and we release it as a podcast. But if what I've gone through can help somebody and what you have to share can help somebody, that's the, that's, you know, or inform somebody, that's the kind of the, the point of the podcast. You have that up and ready? I do. Right? The numbers, are, the numbers are on alone. one through 40. Okay. So um, we found this, this really, it's stupid. These, every question on here is more progressively stupid. It is one through 40. And uh, I would like you to pick a number from one to 40. And we're going to ask you that question. I'll go with 14. 14. 
the best Methodist church handicapped walkway railing to skate. <laughs> she's she's lo- she's running through. Which, oh no, that one's Catholic. No, I know. That's literally what I'm doing. I'm like, where have I seen people skate recently? Oof. I, I feel that's like a, there's it's a rough one. Methodist. There's not a lot of Methodists around. I guess I yeah. Huh. I feel I like there's a really skateboard in your church, history honest, though. So. What was that? I feel like there might be a skateboard in your history somewhere. Uh, I'm not a skater, no. no but, uh, not a, I, not a thrill seeker? You're not an adrenaline junkie either? Uh, in different ways, but not skating, yeah. No. I mean, you do a lot of public appearances, right? That's I do some, yeah. You know, that, that's nerve-wracking. That Standing in front of people yeah. can, can, can really do that for some people. This, yeah, this whole podcast, just hanging out with you all? <laughs> Thrill. Thrills. Right there. Appreciate it. Uh, I, know, I, know it's, I know. Listen, it's it's a pleasure to meet me. I know it. Um, <laughs> uh, you want to play again? You, you want to throw another? Sure. Number? Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that was a. I don't know where there's a Methodist church. Sorry. Well, this, okay. it's it's going to be more ridiculous. So go ahead and. Throw I can't wait. I can't wait. Our number four. How about seventeen? Seventeen. Seventeen. Your favorite member of Eiffel sixty-five. <laughs> I do not I have no familiarity with Eiffel sixty five. So. sixty. I looked it up today. Oh, good. Uh, Somebody I was knows. Going through, I was going through those questions. Eiffel sixty five is a German Euro dance group. Oh, and their music is terrible. Uh, the one that most <laughs> looks like Dieter from Sprockets. Oh, well, yeah, he's the guy right up front. So. Yeah, I, I would imagine from a, that type <laughs> of band. Sprockets. That's. I used to love. Oh, Mike Myers was a genius. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Funny, so, yeah. Oh, there totally is one. I was right. That guy. Obviously. Obviously, that guy. There you go. Well, Beautiful. little did I know. There you go. Eggy, thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for hanging out. We did run a little bit longer than you said you wanted to go. Um, you know, we're going to go into the next block. If you want to hang out, you are more than welcome to join us. Into the. It's really not that much fun. I mean, it is. It's, you know, whatever. You're more than welcome to join us, but if you you know if you'd like to go, we can understand. This would be the time to do it. Uh, it's been lovely. I do need to jet a little bit, but thanks so much for hosting me, and I look forward to all those raisin bagels in the mail. That's gonna be super <laughs> sweet. All right, if you want to mail uh, Izzy Reagan uh, raisin bagels, uh, you can send them to PO Box five hundred six. I don't know any towns in Oregon except for Portland. <laughs> Perfect. And if you want to put a fish in Matt's car, he lives at. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Good luck with both of those projects. Thanks <laughs> Thank a lot, fellas. So I'll see you. Thank you. Be Bye-bye. safe. All right. Coming after this, we're going to get into just the tips with Stanley McFadden. We are going to uh, take a look at Maddie's TikTok nonsense corner. And we're also going to hear about a bunch of stuff that bothered Matt this week because he called in to 1646-VIRUS01 in an effort to show you just how easy it is. To get your voice on the Media Virus, Media Virus Podcast. We almost nailed it. I almost, almost I almost, almost hit you perfect. Almost. Almost. It's very close. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Media Virus Podcast. This has been the B Block, and we'll be back right after this with more Media Virus Podcast. <laughs> I still have the uh, the YouTube up on my computer. 